job earlier and to talk to these other people. Um, there are times when every one of us has, has been in a place where someone in authority, usually a parent, says to us, sit down. No, sit down. And that's kind of where I feel like I am at the moment. <laughs> because I've, I thought I was on the way up, and then, you know, a week and a half ago, went to the doctor that took another x-ray, and they said, what are you doing Friday morning? And I said, well, I guess I'm coming to see you. And uh, that's where I was a week ago Friday. And uh, the, uh, as far as I can tell, everything's going fine. Um, how many of you have ever seen Apollo 13? It's, an, it's one of my favorite movies. I'm not plugging the movie. But there's a spot in the middle of it. Spoiler alert, they didn't get to the moon. Oh, hi. Hello. Um, they didn't get to the moon because there's a malfunction on the, on the, the Apollo ship. And um, there was a, the point where they, they blew off the, the landing or the rocket or, or wherever it was, and they look at it and they go, we're seeing the first look at the damage. I feel like that's what it's going to be this Wednesday when I go back is, oh, cool. So anyway, um, I know my ankle is still there because my foot is still there, but I haven't seen it in over a week. So, um, but I am grateful for our church family in so many ways. First of all, because you have been an encouragement to me, people calling and texting and sending cards and, and uh, just encouraging me through the way, you know, there, there, there are moments in recovery, and a lot of you and probably most of us have been there at some point where you just go, man, when is this going to get done? And honestly, 7 o'clock this morning was one of those <laughs> for me. Uh, just getting up and getting in the shower and getting over here, I'm like, all right, once I get there, it's going to be fine. But getting there, right, you know, you got to get there. And um, But I'm, a, I'm encouraged by that. Thank you for the uh, the notes and the calls and the messages. and. And trust me right now, chances are you're not interrupting anything if you decide you need to call me. If you feel like you have a need to call your pastor right now, I'm probably available um, because I'm usually having my foot above my eye line uh, there as well. So, But I'm feeling pretty well, and uh, we'll see how long this uh, non-weight wearing thing lasts. People ask me how long is it going to be, it's like as long as it's going to take because I don't want to do this again. Yeah, so, um, but I'm encouraged by that. I'm also encouraged to be in the spectator seat to, to watch our church serve. And that's where I got to be on, set on Friday night for the bell game, watching all the things happening around me and waving to everyone, as, you know, because the only thing I could do was press buttons on my phone. That's, I mean, that, and, and sometimes that didn't go too well. So, anyway, um, that's... Uh, it's just encouraging to me as your pastor to see how so many of you are serving in different ways. And some of you say, well, I, I can't stay up long enough to go, like, you know, walk around and greet people in the neighborhood and stuff like that. That's okay. There's something that you definitely can do, and that is pray for the Holy Spirit to be working in those meetups and those chances we get. Because we actually had people go down to the game and decide it was too busy at the game, and they came back and watched the game and saw their kid on the screen. It was pretty cool. And, uh, and we're going to do that again for the Canon game on October 22nd. So if you don't feel like you can be here, you can pray. And that is the Holy Spirit at work in it. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. So thank you to everybody who was a part of that. I know that uh, the Britain's Tuesday Night group put together all the package. Had the sound booth crew back there right now that set up everything out front. Um, 
And, uh, you know, there, there are different ways you can help and serve. And, and there's, that's not just the only things that are happening, but that's the most recent. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, so, as, like I said, uh, the, the moments where you feel like God is, is definitely your parents, you know, we want to say God is our father, you know, those moments where he says, sit down. That's kind of where we find ourselves today. And the title of today's message would be Rest. So I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 15, and we will look at the last several verses of this. And really, um, this particular passage and, and its parallels in the other Gospels are kind of neglected because, honestly, I'd, we don't really know what to do with them. It's between Jesus' crucifixion and his death and his resurrection and now we see why do these things matter? And, you know, so, so that was the, kind of the question I, I approached this passage with this week in studying to see where does this matter? But also what we find here is that if you look at a calendar, right, what, what comes before Friday and Sunday? Saturday. What is that day called in the Jewish faith? The Sabbath, what are you to do on the Sabbath? Rest. We're going to get there today. But we're going to talk about a few things because there are some interesting um, fulfillments along the way as we look at Mark chapter 15. And, um, and, and this account is generally paralleled in, in the other Gospels. Uh, there are different details in the other Gospels, but they're all pretty well the same. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that right now. So I invite you to read along with me, Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 47. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. You give us your word, and you give it to us with purpose. Help us to be reminded that there are moments where we are called to be as Joseph was here, as Samuel was, that we are called to minister to you. And uh, I, hope, I pray, Lord, that that is a blessing. In Jesus' name. Okay. So Jesus, uh, we looked at it last week, uh, or two weeks ago now, and Jamie Rowe did a wonderful job sharing about the work, and, and, and that guy loves Jesus, man. Um, if you weren't here last Sunday, um, that, that guy's leading people to Christ. He is doing a great job. Jamie and Wendy both are out at Oakwood. And they're going to start a church out there. You know, that's really cool. So I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to see God at work. And as we come back now, we get back into the rhythm of things on Mark. Um, when that evening had come, remember Jesus at 3 o'clock generally you know, we said at the, at the noon hour, at the sixth hour, as they would say, it, the world goes dark. 
in that time, the, the, those three hours, the temple curtain is torn. You see that Jesus cries out, it is finished, and breathes out his last at three o'clock, and the lights come back on. The sun comes out. And all along the way, there's these people observing, right? And you hear about the centurion, and what does the centurion say? He says, surely this man was the son of God. This this officer was more than likely with Jesus the entire account of his trial overnight. He had seen Jesus go through all of these things. And the Gentile recognizes who Jesus is. The one who had no business understanding who he was was there. And we find that he's still around. That evening had come. We don't know exactly what time it was, but the thing was is it was Friday. It was Passover. They... They couldn't, uh, by law, or they wanted to get the body down because there would be a, a problem of, with purification. Typically with a crucifixion, again, we've talked about this already, the crucifixion was absolutely humiliating. Persons hung on there naked to die and left there to be attacked, to be spat upon, to have rocks thrown at them, to have animals attack him. And even after this this. The, the criminal, the, the one who dies, is, 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 is there. They'll leave him there for two or three days as a message for those who walk by. So there's something different happening here because the Roman soldier sees Jesus die. And remember, the Romans are very good at killing people. They knew how to make sure somebody was dead. And ultimately, what happens in, Psalm, in fulfillment of Psalm 22, we see that the statement is that his heart melted like wax. He, break, he dies generally of a broken heart. He suffocates because of the fluid in his body that won't allow him to breathe. And uh, the, we see in the other accounts that they pierce his side and, and water and blood spill out. And, and Jesus is most definitely dead. Now, Joseph... We haven't seen Joseph before. We know his name if we're familiar with the Scriptures, but this is the first time he shows up. Joseph, he's, a, he's from Arimathea, a town in Judea. He's a respected member of the council. What council are they talking about? They're talking about the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the group that brings the death sentence upon Jesus to Pilate's. They don't have the authority to kill him because they aren't an authority of themselves. But they bring that charge to Pilate for Jesus' death. But wait a second, I thought the Sanhedrin approved this, right? Well, wasn't he a part of that? Well, tell, let, me, let me ask you a question now. Is every political official who is in office right now somebody that you voted for? How's that budget vote in Washington going right now? The decision of the group is made. It may not be a moment of approval from every person in it. You get where I'm coming from? So Joseph, being a member of the Sanhedrin, probably cast his vote, and he was someone who it says was looking forward to the kingdom of God. What did Jesus preach through his entire ministry? The coming kingdom of God. So Mark is attributing a Joseph, this member of the Sanhedrin, as a follower of Jesus. There's also somebody else involved in this. 
If you go to the Gospel of John, we're not going to go there right now, but I encourage you to look at John chapter 19 and 20. You see this guy named Nicodemus show back up, who is also a part of that council. So just because that the, the, the group made the decision doesn't mean that everybody in the group was in favor of what happened. And the, the sentence brought upon Joseph, or brought, 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 sorry, brought upon Jesus here was evidence of that. Joseph was a very rich man, and it says that here he asks Pilate. He's a man of influence. He goes to Pilate personally and asks for the body of Jesus. This is important because generally, what happens is when the person is executed on the cross, when they are led to uh, to their point of death, that they are um, left there to die and they're thrown, the bones are either just left on the ground or they're thrown into a pauper's grave. That person is cursed and they want nothing to do with them. But Joseph, a man of good repute, a man of, of, uh, of wealth, says, I don't want this to happen to this guy. Now think about the moment of faith that this still is here. Remember Jesus he, he didn't know. I've got all kinds of things going on here. I'm sorry. I realized I left my water bottle there. I got the microphone cable attacking me. All right. Um, Jesus realized, or I'm sorry, Joseph realizes that all of, all of what he had personally led into with Jesus at that moment is gone. But because of his love for the Lord, he did not want to see Jesus basically humiliated any further than he'd already been. So he takes it upon himself. This is actually a moment of fulfillment. And I don't have him on the screen because I didn't, I didn't get that in there. But I want you to go quickly back to Isaiah chapter 53. And I didn't mark it, so I'm going to have to poke around a little bit. Remember, Isaiah chapter 53 talks about the suffering servant. It basically describes the death of Jesus. And we talked about it, and I read it earlier through these passages. But right in the middle of it, it talks about the suffering he endures. Verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened, sorry, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Here we go. This is the fulfillment here. Yet, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. The moment of fulfillment that we find in Mark chapter 15 is here where it says he made his grave with the wicked and a rich man in his death. Jesus was a man of no reputation. He had no earthly wealth. He, wandered, he was a, a, a wandering preacher. And we all know how we feel about those guys in our world today. Oh, that guy just showed up and he started preaching at me again, right? People either follow him or they despise him. We see that happen right here. But Joseph gives the Lord a burial of honor among the rich. And that was predicted in Isaiah chapter 53. So it's a moment of fulfilling here that Jesus was not further humiliated in that he was, um, he was taken down from the cross to see that happen. Joseph, this man of, 
of reputation offers this. Why is Pilate surprised in verse 44? Mark, I'm going back to Mark 15, sorry. Um, so Pilate was surprised that he should hear uh, that, that he should have already died. Why? Because of what I just explained to you. They knew how long it took for these days, guys to die. It took days. They usually were up there for a long time. He summons the centurion, probably the same one that said, surely this is the man of the Son of God. He asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. That word corpse is important. Because many today even, but even people in that time, would try to say that Jesus did something like swooning, which is looked like he was dead. And the, uh, the two different words there... You, there, there are actually two different words in, in, the, in the Greek that is used here. When you talk about the body, a living body is described by the word soma, S-O-M-A. A, and I'm hoping I'm getting this backwards and write these things down, but I think I got this right. The, the corpse is ptoma, P-T-O-M-A. And the word that is used in the Greek is that one. And if I got them backwards, that's what I actually meant to say. All right, but... When we get to that point, we see that they knew this body was dead. There was no swooning happening. Jesus didn't just pass out and seem like he was dead. They identified him as a body. They didn't even say the name here. They said the corpse. Right? He granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. Done hastily, done quickly. But if that, that tomb was cut out with purpose. It was cut out for Joseph and his family. It was new. There was no one else in it. And a lot of times what would happen is that once the bodies had thoroughly decomposed, they would remove the bones and have another spot for another person. But Jesus, and it says here uh, in other places that he knew no decay. Spoiler alert, he's just borrowing this for a couple of days. And it's going to look a whole lot different when he's done. He laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock, and he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. And they saw where it happened. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. And these ladies would show back up on Sunday to go back and deal with things. Now, the way these tombs were usually built is they had the opening cut out and they had a groove that gravity held the, the stone shut. And so it would take several strong men to open it back up. And it may not have been sealed at that point, but really what we find here is that you know, w w when that stone is rolled in there, it's pretty well a permanent stop. They're not opening it on their own. Somebody's not just going to sneak in and steal the body because they're not going to be able to move that, that, that stone. And plus, it's, they're the Jews, and they're going into the Sabbath. And we've already looked at how the, how the Jewish leaders felt about the Sabbath. They thought the Sabbath was the best thing ever, and you weren't even supposed to lift a finger, right? Not likely that this was dealt with on the Sabbath. So when we get back to the resurrection next time around, We'll see back there. But they knew where he was buried. They didn't get lost on the way. These ladies saw where it happened. They took him, and they buried him. They put him in that tomb, and they set it up for them. 
So uh, it was done hastily, but it was not done without um, honor. Now, when we get to this point of the Sabbath, that's where I want want to settle on here because that's why I titled this message. What we find here, if you go into the book of Hebrews and you go into other places in the New Testament, you see that this, and Jesus says this in his ministry, that the, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Here's the, here's the deal, is that Jesus had completed the most important work in the history of the world. And when that work was complete, he rested. Now, there's lots of questions about what happened when Jesus died. and um, You see the different creeds, and I was listening to several different messages. This is a, a tough patch, passage to hit. I listened to several different guys and, and how they handled this. But um, what, what you find... Uh, what you, you know, this question you see it in First Peter that you know went and talked to the saints in this, uh, you know, in, in the depths and Hades and this and that. We can't answer all of those questions. What we know is that on Earth, the work of salvation, the penalty was paid and it was complete. When the work is complete, what do you do? If you're smart, you rest. Nothing more could be done to save us than what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And that moment of rest is a place where we need to find ourselves when we realize, we think that, you know, we see Samuel here serving the Lord. We see Joseph honoring Jesus in his death. They did what they could. They couldn't do anything else. The rest of it was the work of God. And we, if you know the story of Mary and Martha in the New Testament, the Gospel of John deals a lot with them. You know, and, and there's a title of a book, and I don't remember who wrote it right now. It could have been Beth Moore, it could have been somebody else. Having a Mary heart in a Martha world. Mary was the person who was sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from him. And Martha was the one that was busy in the kitchen, chewing out her sister. Because she wasn't doing everything her sister was doing. You know what? Almost, almost to 100%, we're a lot more like Martha than we are like Mary. We want to take seriously the admonition that Paul says when he says, work out, prove your salvation with fear and trembling. And yeah, so there's legitimacy to that. We want to prove to the Lord that we love him. I think that's a human human nature kind of thing. But there are moments when Jesus says, sit down, rest. And he sets that moment for us here. When his work was complete, the world rested. We don't hear about Saturday in the Gospels. Right? You know why? 
Because nothing happened. He rested. The work was complete. And friends, that work of salvation will not be any more complete tomorrow than it is today. And so many of us try, try to work for our salvation instead of working out our salvation. The difference is the purpose. We don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we are saved. And here, the ultimate work was complete. And Paul tells us, what do we need to do? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, we'll be saved. How much work is involved in faith? just as it is at the core of who it is. No. It's a matter of trust. The kids ask me, you know, how do I get into bed? It's not very hard. It's all over. But I have faith that that bed is going to catch me. There have been moments that the bed did not. Not in the last couple of weeks, thankfully. But I'm sure some of you have been there. Or that chair got moved, right? <laughs> and your tailbone tells you about it later. But you sit down expecting the tool to do its job. The work has been completed by Jesus, guys. He wants us to receive the gift. There's nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing I could have ever done to earn it. It's, it's a gift. And when Jesus completed that work, he rested. But don't worry. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. So I ask you today, are you Mary or are you Martha? Are you willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and trust him to teach and do his work? Or have you wrapped yourself up so much in the busyness of things that you've forgotten why? Will you allow the salvation of our Lord to bring you rest in him? I can't. I can't save myself. I don't even know if I have a better illustration than what I'm doing right now. And we trust people for all kinds of things. I told you, I had, I had never met my surgeon before a week and a half before he cut my ankle open. But I'm trusting he knows what he's doing. Right? Because he saw the pictures. And he's had the training. And I'm sure many of you have been in that same kind of situation. Here's the thing. We have proof that God loves us. Many of you have been through this book thousands of times. And we still wonder whether we can trust God. I'll say it again. Sunday's coming. 
Friday was ugly. Saturday was sleeping. Sunday's coming. Trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, You are faithful to us. Your goodness is beyond our comprehension. And that rest You offer us in Jesus is not something we could ever earn. It's not something we could attain. It's not something that uh, anything, anyone except for You can offer. And pray for the one who needs to place their trust in you today, that they will do that. That they will walk in your grace and your mercy. That they will take the steps of obedience that you call us to, to trust you as Savior and Lord. I thank you for how you are at work in our church family and how in the ways you are, are working in our community. And I pray, Lord, that we would come to a place where we trust you in it. Thank you for your love, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and uh, we'll worship the Lord.